Are they good?
Praise the Lord. Are you getting ready? Amen. Praise the Lord. Titus chapter 2, looking at verses 11 through 15. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation have appeared unto all men, teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we shall live soberly, righteously, and godly in, the pres- in this present world. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak, and I exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Let us pray. Praise the Lord. You want to give the devil a black eye? Let's praise God. Let's praise God in this house. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Father, again, we're thankful, Lord, always to be in your house. Thankful for your presence. Thankful, Lord, that we can come together as your people, Lord, worshiping you in spirit and in truth, Lord. Lord, I love you and I thank you for all that you do in our lives. Father, I pray, Lord, that we continue, Lord, to be steadfast and unmovable in these last days. Lord, that we might continue to abound in the things of God. Father, I love you and I thank you for this church, your people, Lord, and I pray your blessings upon them. And I ask these things in Jesus' name because we love you and thank you. Amen. And praise the Lord. Let's remain standing for worship this morning.
magnify your name today, Lord.
praise. Now, one way we can just display that, you can leave that, that song still up there for a moment. One way we can display our love to the Lord is by giving back to Him. Now, I know most people thought probably I forgot about tithes and offerings, but I, I kind of waited on purpose to do it during this song because we can say with our lips, Lord, you're worthy. Lord, we glorify you. Lord, we magnify you. But sometimes you got to put feet to prayer. Sometimes you got to put action to words. Sometimes in life it's easy to say, oh, God, I know you're worthy. Well, now is the opportunity for us to display how worthy he really is. So I'm going to ask uh, Brother Jordy if he'd come. And I'm going to ask Brother Corey if he'd come help me this morning. If you'll just come, Brother Corey, and stand up here with him. They're going to hold these uh, offering bags. I'm going to pray a prayer really quick over it. And then the band, we're going to sing this worship song again. But then in this moment, I want you, if you have any tithes and offerings or anything to give this morning, I want you during this song after we pray to bring it up as a testament or a sign unto the Lord. Lord, you alone are worthy because that is, that is what we're here to do. We're here to worship and magnify the Lord. Lord, we know today, Heavenly Father, we know you are worthy of all praise forever. You are worthy of all glory and honor. So, God, we come in this moment, in the solemnness and the secrecy of this hour, to give back to you, to show how much we love you and adore you. Bless those that have to give. Bless those that don't have to give. And if they don't have to give today, Lord, I pray you would bless them at some point, that they would be able to give because of the faithfulness of the Lord. So, Lord, we glorify you and magnify you. In Christ's holy and precious name, we pray together. The people of God said amen. Amen. Will you bring your offering? So we sing you
come by church this morning. Oh, he's come by this house this morning. <laughs> oh, I wish you'd just worship the Lord. I wish you'd throw your hands up, clap your hands, all you people. Shout out to God with a voice of triumph. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. I don't have to preach today. Let God talk to you today. Oh, <laughs> let's just worship the Lord today. Let's magnify the Lord today. Oh, we worship you, Lord. Oh, we worship you, Lord. Oh, he's in the house, church. Oh, he's in the house. <laughs> he's in the house today. Oh, we worship. Hey, my God can do it. Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. I worship you, Lord, today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, we magnify and glorify the name of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. And some has already come. You don't need the waters to be troubled. They're already moving. The Bible said God's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. If he can do it back then, he can still do it today. Either you believe the words on the screen or not. All my life, God, you have been faithful. It doesn't always mean the road was easy. doesn't mean always the road was smooth. But, God, you have been faithful. doesn't mean I always understood every detour. But, God, you have been faithful. And the other line says, God, you have been so, so good. Oh, do you believe the Lord is good? Oh, taste and see that the Lord, he is good. Hallelujah. While the waters are troubled, we're getting ready to pray for some. Are there any others that say, Pastor, I have a need in my life. And you want to come and be prayed for this morning. If you do, just make a line right here in front of me. You say, Pastor, I want to be prayed for as well. Don't wait. Just come right up here. Amen. We'll just make a prayer line if I got to. I'll just start praying for everybody. We'll just lay hands on you. The Bible said, let the, the elders of the church, the men and women of faith, let them come and lay the hands on them and pray for them. So I'm going to ask if you have a need to come, if you also believe in the power of prayer, and you're comfortable, I need you to come gather around some of these folks today. Because they got a need. My Bible says, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. I don't care what the need is, I'm for God the table. Come on, somebody, act like you've been to church once in your life. I serve a God the table! All my life. We'll sing. Oh my love, you have been faithful. Oh my life, you have every breath in I.
don't realize in this building today you may be seated just for a moment don't get comfortable though because I don't know where I'm going I know one thing I'm not I'm not preaching what's on the screen I hate to use the old term throw the baby out with the bathwater," but I feel like the Lord wants me to go a different direction today You're in for a treat because I don't even have notes. <laughs> so I don't know if we're going to get out of here or not. I don't know. It depends on how long I can remember what I got to say. I have nothing. I write those things down for a reason. See, what you don't know is the challenges that was faced to this body before we even started service today. Because on Wednesday night I stood before you. And I stood in this auditorium and told you that Sister Ann Krause was in a hospital. We didn't know what was going to happen. She got to come home. Yesterday she was able to make leadership training, but she still was not the best. But this morning she got up, she got dressed to come to church. She got to the end of her road. And that old slew foot, the devil himself, just let that sickness and that anxiety and that shortness of breath and issues with the heart come on her at the end of her road and unfortunately she had to go back home coming to church trying her best but the devil wouldn't let her get here now I'm not saying that I look for a devil under every rock because I don't sometimes I think we give the devil a whole lot more credit than he get, he deserves but I will say when you're trying to come to church he'll do anything he can to hinder you from getting here too but what the devil needs to be reminded this morning, and I, you know, some people, they're like, oh, don't say it out loud because the devil can't read your thoughts. He can only hear your words. Well, sometimes he needs to hear what i got to say. He needs to be reminded that he's already been defeated. And he needs to be reminded that he might have stopped there from getting to church, but he can't stop his hand because the Bible said his hand is not short, neither is his ear too heavy, that it can't reach down and her bed of affliction where she's at right now. I may not be on Horseshoe Road right now, but I can tell you the devil might not have got hurt at 1211 North Highway 52, but he can't stop God walking on the Horseshoe Drive and walking in her bedroom right now. The devil might have tried to stop it, but God can go into the room right now. And then I got a call this morning en route to church from Bonnie's sister. Well, Bonnie and her sister, but Sister Glenda. Bonnie's numbers have been kind of spiking about different things, and she's supposed to go back in on Tuesday and needs to get a chemo treatment, but her levels at the last doctor's appointment were not good enough, and they said if we check them on Tuesday, they're not good. We're going to have to look at some other alternatives. She really needs that treatment. She's already been out a couple times. Now, I can't help. I don't know what the doctor read last Tuesday and Thursday. Don't really care what they read. I know what God can do between now and this Tuesday. I believe she can walk in there and the doctor say, well, you're looking pretty good. Let's go ahead and do the treatment. See, what I, what I want to remind us is that there are times that the devil is going to try to tell you that God can't do it. And he's going to try to make you think that you're already defeated before you even got to the battlefield. Now we sing around here, I'm on the battlefield for my Lord, and we talk about all this. And sometimes the devil wants you to think that you already are defeated before you even suited up for battle. 
before you ever put on the armor of God, before you ever did any of the above mentioned things, he wants you to think, well, there's no hope. God can't get you out of this mess. I mean, you got cancer. You know, you, you, know, you got anxiety. You got some heart issues. You can't breathe. You need to stay home. The devil wants you to think you don't have a chance. But he's a liar. You know, I could dress it up any old way and say, well, you know, he's just not giving you the full picture. He's not giving you a full scope. He's not doing this. He's not doing the other. Let me just tell you, he's a liar. I'm just going to be frank with you. He's a liar. Because at the end of the day, the Bible said he was wounded for my transgressions. And he was bruised for my iniquities. And the chastisement of my peace was laid upon him. But by his stripes I am whole. Or I am made, or some translation says I can, be made, I can be healed or I can be made whole. The point of the matter is he can say whatever he wants to. God gets the final say. Apparently he forgot that somewhere along life's way. That even when he and God got into their disagreement. Even God got the last word between him and the devil. When they were sitting at the, standing there on the bow of the pinnacle of the temple. And looking out over the. The landscape when the devil tried to tempt Jesus three times in the wilderness. At the end of the story, Jesus still got the last word. He said, for it is written, you love the Lord your God. And you don't tempt the Lord your God because the Lord your God, he is holy. And he rebuked the devil. And then the angels came and ministered to him. Even then, Jesus got the last word. And then we just celebrated last week the, the Passover week and Easter week celebration uh, last weekend. And, and even in that moment, Brother Larry, the devil and all of his little demons and imps in hell, in hell, when Jesus said it was, before even Jesus uttered it is finished, they see him hanging on that cross and blood streaming down his furred brow and his brow and his bruised, beaten body. And devil and all of his, his imps and demons in hell were rejoicing and shouting, we got him. We finally got him. We finally got him. And even when Jesus said it is finished and the sky turned dark and the earth even when they laid him in the tomb and the devil's mind said he still thought he won there's only one problem even then Jesus got the last word because not only did he say it was finished the Bible says that while he was in the heart of the earth three days later, he descended into the heart of the earth and he went into to hell and I, I don't know you can you can say you know everybody has their different view but, it, but my personal view I don't know if it was metaphorical or physical but one thing I have a vivid imagination and I believe the devil was sitting on his little hell throne room perched up thinking to himself I've won I've won I've got it all where I want to do and all of a sudden there came a knock on hell's door and he was like, I wasn't expecting any visitors today. Nobody signs up to come down here to visit, so who's coming by here? And I just believe that Jesus just walked. He didn't even have to wait for them to open the door. He walked right through the door, walked right into the throne room of hell, and he said, I want the keys to death, and I want the keys to hell, and I want the keys to the grave, and we can do it the easy way, or we can do it the hard way. But I'm leaving here with those three keys in my hand. And he grabbed death, hell, and the grave, and he walked right out of that grave he walked right back up into that lifeless body the ruah the presence and spirit of the lord breathed life back into that body he drop kicked that stone out of the way and reminded the devil one more time i'm still going to get the last word i still am the one that's in control but that's not the end of the story because the devil wants us to feel like we are bound by our Graves of life and tombs of life. The only problem is, if we're a child of God, God still gets the last word. Because <laughs> the Bible said there'll come a day that he's going to bound the devil for a thousand years. Then after that, he'll put him into the great abyss or permanently put him in hell for permanent residence to never be able to roam again and do anything. Because God still gets the final say. 
I come by to remind somebody this morning, I don't care what you're going through and I don't care what the devil has told you. You came to the right place because before you leave this place today, God can get the last word. God can get the final say in that situation. You need a miracle, God can give it. You need a financial breakthrough, God can give it. You need a marriage restored, God can give it. You need healing, God can do it. If you need deliverance, God can do it. If you need to be saved, God can do it. God can get the last word in today in your life. And in my... While we were praying and we were seeking the Lord, my mind was drawn to a passage of Scripture that was in Psalms chapter 3. And I had this in the system a while back. I never was going to preach it. I just had it in there for informational items just in case I ever wanted to reference it. And when we were praying... <clears throat> My mind was immediately drawn to this passage of Scripture with David. He's in a very delicate situation in his life in this moment. He is in, he's in a running, if you will, in the cave of Adullam. He is running for his life because the enemy of his soul, the king, is after him to kill him. He had been faithful. He had been serving God. He had been serving the king. He had been playing music. He had been faithful of his post of duty. But because of pride, envy, and jealousy, the king didn't like that anymore. He got tired of hearing about the Saul has slain his thousands, but David's his tens of thousands. In verse 1, it's not on the screen, but in verse 1 it talks about, Lord, many are they that have increased that trouble me. Many of they that have increased that trouble me. It's a unique way to start out this psalm of David. David has also not only ran from Saul, by the time he starts pens these words, David is now also running from his own child, a son by the name of Absalom. Because Absalom had got this wild hair idea. Well, if daddy's good enough to be king, I'm good enough to be king. And the Bible said that Absalom led a revolt against his own father trying to throw over the kingdom. And David flees for his life because Absalom had the heart of the people, as some translations will, will describe. He, he had enough people that it was going to hurt David. So in this cave of isolation, this cave of quarantine, this cave of despair and this case of dejection and defeated spirit. David in this solemn moment is sitting there going, God, there's a lot of people that are out for me. Many of they that increase that trouble me. And many of them that rise up against me. What David is saying is, God, there's a lot against me that are for me. Can I remind somebody, that not that just like the devil? Doesn't the devil want you to believe that there's a whole lot more going against you than going for you? But can I remind you, God said to me that he goes before me. And it doesn't matter. The prophet of God told his servant, he said, look out on that valley. There's a whole lot more on our side 
that's on their side. They may not see it, but we got a whole lot more of on our side that's on there. Can I come by to remind somebody this morning? There's a whole lot more fighting for you than are fighting against you. For greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. I come by to tell you, I don't care what the devil has told you or reminded you, that there is more fighting for you than are fighting against you today. He said, there's a lot of people against me. Many of them are saying, there's no help for him. Boy, doesn't that sound like the world we're living in today? Everywhere you turn, everybody wants to say, well, this ain't going to fix it. That ain't going to fix it. The government's not going to fix it. The church is not going to fix it. The job's not going to fix it. We're going to hell in a handbasket. Well, let me help you with something. I don't plan on going to hell in anything. I don't plan on going to hell to make my permanent residency, and I certainly don't plan to live on hell on earth. I'm going to live with the joy of the Lord in my heart on this earth, and when I go to heaven, I'm not going to have to worry about it because I'm going to be in perfect peace. So I don't want to find myself. I don't know if people say, oh, we're just going to hell in a handbasket. I don't want to go there for anything. So why are we even speaking that into existence? He said the people are saying there's no help for him. Well, that sounds like the world. Everybody in the world today says, well, you know, you can go to church all you want to. That ain't going to fix the economy. You can vote your proud. You, you know, your one vote won't matter when it comes November time period. What's the matter? They're going to do what they want to. They're going to lie. They're going to cheat. They're going to do this. That's all well and good. And if they do, and you hear me carefully, if they do, that's between them and God. But I don't serve a donkey, and I don't worship an elephant. But I'll follow a lamb and a lion from the tribe of Judah all the way to the portals of glory. You can put it in any animal you want to. You can be red, yellow, black, white, purple, green. But I'm going to just stay true to the precious blood of a bloodstained cross. And I'm going to follow him all the way. He leadeth me. He leadeth me. I, I'm go by his hand. He leadeth me. I'm going home with Jesus in a twinkling of an eye. I've made my reservation for a mansion in the sky. I may not know the moment. And I may not know the day but I know that I'll be leaving when he decides to call his church away you can believe anything you want to say anything you want to I'm not telling you don't go vote I'm not telling you not to vote for the kingdom principles but I'm telling you whether they cheat whether they connive whether they slide their way into the offices of different things all you want to it's not going to stop me from praising the Lord it's not going to stop me from coming to church it's not going to stop me from magnifying and glorifying the name of the Lord whether my candidate's in office or not my God's still on the throne so it doesn't really matter what's happened on Pennsylvania Avenue my God still has the final say because he's still in control he said there's no help for him well yeah we've heard that too we've heard that and then he says Selah almost like a meditational moment or a moment of contemplation or a reflective moment now everybody has their own versions of reflective moments some people are very calm and surreal and quiet very low-key. That's Selah. Is that just moment to reflect on everything I just said? Now, I'm not a Greek and a Hebrew scholar by any stretch, but, you know, part of me thinks that there are times in the Bible when I see that word Selah that it may not have always just been a quiet, contemplative moment. In fact, I describe it. I won't put it on the spot, but Brian has heard me say this many times, what Selah is. I often describe it as, that's like my moment for a praise break. That just gave me a little moment to be like, hold on, I'll be right back. Give me 30 seconds. Me and God's got to have a moment. I'll get back to you in just a few minutes. Because sometimes in our lives, we got to remember that sometimes we just need to stop what we're doing 
and just have a little praise break with Jesus. Now, some people might run. Some people might dance. Some people might shout. Some people might clap. Some people might cry. Some people might sit on a pew and be very contemplative and meditational in their, their moment and, and be very, very serene in that moment. But I'm telling you that there are times in my life that I might be saying, God, I need this. And God, this is happening. And that's happening. But sometimes, Brother Chris, I just got to get alone by myself. I don't need the radio to tell me what to do. I don't need the preacher to tell me what to do. I don't even need a song to tell me what to do. And that moment, I just need to go... There's a timeout. Let me and God just have a moment, me and Jesus. Let me and God just praise my way right out of this situation. I don't need anybody else to help me figure it out. God, I'm going to shut up for about five minutes, and I'm going to let you just do what only you can do. I'm going to let you talk, and I'm going to praise my way out of this mess. He said, there are many that troubled me. This is why I think he had a praise break. (laughs) Because as soon as he came out of it, it's like he had an epiphany. An epiphany is like, that's a big fancy word to say the light bulb came on. Ding. You know, ever seen all those little cartoon commercials and somebody has an idea, the little light bulb comes on and lightens up. Bling. It's like David sitting there, oh, Lord, many are creasing and troubling me. Many that rise up against nobody's going to help me. Oh, Jesus, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I wonder how many times we've been in those doldrums. Oh, God, it's so bad. Oh, God, I'm never going to get out. Oh, God, it's falling apart around me. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. But all of a sudden, Brother Larry, after he took about 30 seconds and just had a praise break with God, he thought to himself, now, David, you must be the fool, the biggest dummy in your life. You must be a fool for thou, O oh Lord. You've been a shield for me, and you've been the glory and the lifter of my head. Oh, yeah, that doesn't mean that they're still not increased. That doesn't mean they're still not troubling me. That doesn't mean they're still not coming after me. But I don't have to worry, and I don't have to fret, for my God's never failed me yet. I've got confidence. God's going to see me through. It's like you had that moment of, what am I thinking? God's on my side. He's my shield, my buckler. He's the one that wakes me up in the morning. And then he says to himself, David, don't you remember you cried unto the Lord? But every time you cried unto the Lord, you didn't always think about it at the time. But David, if you go back and look, I could see him sitting there as he's pinning this thinking, you know, back in August of 2021, I... I cried unto the Lord, and at the time, I didn't think he heard me with that COVID mess going on. But as I sit here on April 24, 2022, I can say, but when I cried unto the Lord, he heard me. Out of his holy Sometimes when I pray, I may not hear his voice right then. But, Brother Corey, after an extensive period of time, when I go back and I'll reflect on my life, oh, God, there was that time that my grandmama died, and there was a time a child was lost, and there was a time a spouse was lost, there was a time a church was in hurting, and we were in dire straits, and we weren't sure we were going to pay the bills. God, there was a time my heart was broken, and I didn't even think you were nowhere to be found, but now a couple months down the road, or a year down the road, or ten years down the road, I can look back to my monument. I can look back to my stone of remembrance. I can look back to that old ancient landmark and I can say but God you were El Bethel you were the God of the house back then and you're the God of the house today and if you were the same yesterday you'll be the same today and forevermore you'll always hear me when I cry he said I went to sleep one night and I slept like a baby didn't mean I didn't still have problems but I knew the God who could solve them I have many tears and sorrows and i got a lot of questions for tomorrow. And there have been times I didn't know right from wrong. But in those lonely hours, those precious lonely hours, Jesus came and let me know I was still one of his own. Because through it all, 
through it all. I've learned to trust in Jesus and I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, through it all, I have learned to depend upon His Word. Sometimes you just got to lay down and start counting the sheep and say, all right, the Lamb of God's going to take it away and let the peace of an Almighty God that surpasses all human understanding reign. It doesn't mean the problem won't be there tomorrow, but that means somebody's going to be working on the problem while you're sleeping in the night because weeping endures for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. He said, I laid down to sleep, and God, you woke me up. I thought the devil was coming after me. The devil told me he was going to kill me. The only problem is, Brother James, I'm still here, so obviously he ain't done a good job, has he? See, there's been some people that have had death sentences over their lives. There's people that have battled depression, anxiety. Brother James and I have had many conversations in the wee hours of the morning because Brother James sometimes has, has so sleep, his sleep cycle gets a little little discombobulated sometimes. Sometimes he'll send me a YouTube video at 1 o'clock in the morning, and I'll watch it, send it back, and he's thinking, Preacher, why are you up? And I'm thinking, James, why are you up? <laughs> you know, I'm real for the same reason you are. Brianna's over there, and she's gone. Me and James are just bonding on social media. But some people battle depression, some people battle sleep disorders, some people battle, battle health issues. There's a lot of things the devil will do to discourage you. And there's a lot of things the devil will do to try to take you out. But I'm telling you right now, the same God that let me go to sleep one night, and he also the same God that woke me up the next day. So at the, even when my sleep may fail me, and even when my heart faileth me, the Bible says even when my heart faileth, God is still the life giver of my heart and of my soul. Can I tell you whether my eyes are wide awake or whether I'm sleeping like a baby, a newborn baby, at the end of the day I can trust the hand of the man that still the waters. And I can put my hand in the hand of a man that calms the sea because he sustained me. He never let me go. He always brought me through. Didn't mean I didn't fight some battles, but he got me through every one of them. He got me through. So he said, now remember what the first verse said. There's a lot of people against me, preacher. A lot of stuff going on. My family's against me. The job's against me. My children are against me. The government's against me. Some of my church people are against me. There's a lot of people against me, preacher. They've increased. They keep growing. The number's growing against me. There's a lot of people rising up saying, I'm going to get him. I'm going to get David. I'm going to get him. But just in five verses later, they would say, but I won't be afraid if there's 10,000 of them. I don't know how many they got, but even if they have 10,000 to one, I still like my chances with God. <laughs> Can I tell you, I don't care if the army is a million to one. If the one is the Lord, I still like my chances. Because the battle is not mine, saith the, the battle is not mine, but it is his, saith the Lord. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. See, sometimes I may have to suit up. I may have to put on the breastplate of righteousness. And I may have to put on the helmet of salvation. And I may have to put on the shoes shod with the gospel of peace. I may have to take up the shield of faith. I may have to bear the sword of the Spirit. But you know what? That doesn't always mean i got to yield the Spirit sword. And it doesn't mean I always have to quench the fiery darts of the devil. Sometimes I may. But the Bible says sometimes... All I got to do is just dress up for battle. And I just got to walk to the battle lines. And I got to stand there like the king said. King Jehoshaphat, God said, just stand there, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. I need you to get dressed. 
I need you to be prepared, and I need you to be ready just in case I have to call on you. But just go stand at the battle lines and let the devil know that I'm not afraid. For if God be for me, who's going to be against me? I'm here. Devil, you can take your best shot. You can be the Goliath of my life. But my God will take care of me in that moment. Isn't that what David told Goliath? You come at me with a spear and a sword. But I've come to you not with a spear and a sword. He didn't even say, I came to you with five smooth stones and a good slingshot that I've been practicing with in the backyard. He said, no, you uncircumcised beast, you Philistines, you tell me you're going to feed my flesh to the birds of the air, but I am here to decree and declare to you, you uncircumcised Philistine, that you come at me with a spear and a sword. But I've come to you in the name of the Lord God, the host of heaven's armies. Can I tell you, I come by to tell somebody this morning, the enemy can come at you with fear, with a spear, a sword, an army, I'll wrench you, an army tank, a bazooka, a missile, whatever he wants to. But you look at him and say, you come at me with whatever, but I have come today in the name of the Lord. And if God is with me, I've got nothing to be afraid of because I come in the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord. So look at what he says. He says, so arise, O Lord. Since I already know you can do this because you've done it before. Don't you like it when you don't have to worry about if this is God's first time on the battle? He's already got a track record. Doesn't it, doesn't it just make you feel better that he's already done this before and he's always won? Every battle that he's ever been in, he is undefeated. I always like playing on a team that's never lost a game. I don't like being on the other end. I don't like it where we've always lost and never won the game. I want to be on the team that never lost the game. I'm too competitive. If you're on a losing team, I'm quitting your team and going to play with the other team because you stink. I ain't wasting my time for us to be sorry together. Hello, preacher. That's how the church works. We walk around with our tails tucked looking like we're the defeated body of Christ rather than the triumphant body of Christ. Some of us have got to stop walking around in our lives and our situations and even coming to church. Man, I feel like preaching here for a moment. Some people need to even walk into church. Some, some people come to church already looking like, oh, God, the devil's been on my back. I don't know if I'm going to make it. Let me tell you something. Why don't you shake him off your back? Don't let him live there. Go ahead and take him off. Why don't you just go ahead and say, all right, devil, you've been on me long enough. Let me go ahead and just get you off for a few minutes because I, I'm going to put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I'm going to lift up my voice to God. I'll praise him in the firmament of his time. I'm going to worship the Lord. See, we got to realize that we are not the defeated church of Christ. The Bible said we are the triumphant church of Christ. So there comes a point we cannot tuck our tails. We cannot hide behind the, the closets of life and, and, and shy away from the things of this world. But we've got to stand up and say we are the church of the blood bought of the redeemed. And we are going. We're going to be on the winning side one of these days. We're going home. He said, Arise, O Lord, and save me. You've spent all my enemies upon the cheek and bone. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. That's pretty graphic. You put all the Greek and Hebrew you want to in that. You know what David just said? Lord, you knock their teeth right down their throats. Boy, I just love that picture. There have been people in my life. I know this is going to be hard for all y'all to believe because I'm a very calm demeanor personality. Very placid. Very easygoing. I know it's going to be hard for you to believe this today. 
There have been some people in my life that I have wanted to knock their teeth down their throat. Now, unfortunately, well, I say unfortunately, fortunately for them, Sister April, I never did it, so I didn't go to jail. So the preacher does not have a track record of going to jail for assault. But in my mind, I beat the snot out of them suckers. I whooped them one side down the other. But when I got done, those people were the ugliest looking rascals you ever seen. I beat the mess out of them. Never laid a hand on them, but in my mind, Brother Dennis, I beat them good. Real good. In fact, that was one time when I served at a different church. Not here. When I served at a different church, my therapy was golf. And I'd go to the driving range, and I'd take out a number two pencil, because it was erasable. And whatever frustrated church member I had dealt with that day, or the day before, it was always on Monday, I would write their name on the golf ball. And I would stand there at the driving range, and I would pull out my driver. Because the driver on a golf, on a, a driver golf club hits the ball the hardest and the farthest. I didn't want it to be a cheap shot. I didn't want a little chip shot. I didn't want it to be like a little clue. No, I wanted him to feel it all. I didn't want it just to be a little, let me just go 30 yards. No, I wanted it 400 yards downwind. I wanted him to know that I know that they know they were coming. So I would write their name on that golf ball, and I'd stand there, and I'd wait for a moment. And now I did a really good, Brother Chris, I was still saved. I did a good thing. I prayed before I hit the ball. Y'all think I'm kidding. I'm not lying. I pray, I'd stand there. I'd say, God, this is going to feel real good. I know I probably shouldn't be doing this, but it's better than my alternative where I do it to them instead. So, Lord, when I hit this ball, let it take all of the bitterness, animosity, frustrations, anger, whatever I have of them, and let me enjoy this moment for the 30 seconds it's in flight. Once it hits the grass out there and it rolls into the little hole to be collected later, <clears throat> when I get back in my car to go back to said church, I'll pray for them, and we'll be on good terms again. But, God, for this moment, I pray you touch them wherever they are, but let me enjoy this moment. And I would stand there, and I'd line up my feet, and I'd look at their name. We'll just say, Jim, Jim. Jim, this is going to hurt you a lot more than it's going to hurt me. I'd draw it back. With everything in my mind, I'd beat the snot out of that ball. And like any good golfer would do, I would just stand there with my club and watch it. Waiting for it to hit the ground. I didn't care if it was sliced. I didn't care if I had a, didn't hit a draw or a fade. I didn't care if I sliced it. I didn't care if it went straight. I just wanted to go far, hard, and roll for a long time. But you know what, Sister Lila? I felt real good when it was over. It felt good. I'm just confessing to you my sins. I can't go to the priest and confess it, so I'm confessing it to you. Can make your way so if I can salvage this at some point. But in my head, obviously David didn't have golf. But I could imagine that's how David may have felt when he sat there. He said, "Lord, there have been times I didn't do it, but you you knocked their teeth down their throat." In it's not because I hated their guts but God sometimes it felt good to feel vindicated from what's happened to me they broke my heart they messed with my children they tore up my family they split my church they fired me and accused me of things I didn't even do wrong 
God, sometimes it was good to see karma happen to them for a change. Now, I know ain't none of y'all unsaved like me, but sometimes I do like it when karma happens. And I think to myself that God took care of that battle. And you know what? Sometimes that was a better response than mine. I even enjoyed it better that he did it. Because my hands were clean, but they still knew they touched their hand. The Bible said when David had every opportunity, he walked into a cave and Saul was asleep. And he had every opportunity to kill him. He was standing right over him. Water and jug, water jug and spear laying there. And the Bible said David was going to kill him. And one of his men said, don't do it. Why would you don't do it? You're going to mess up, David. So David said, you know what? You're right. He listened to reason. You're right. That's not a good idea. And the Bible said he grabbed the water pitcher and, and he grabbed the spear. And he went back to the top of the mountain. The next morning he called him by name. And he said, Saul! Hey, Saul! Saul come running out. The man came out. David said to his armor bearer, he said, you got a pretty pathetic armor bearer. The armor bearer drew his sword. The Bible said he was ready to go after David and said, I'm going to kill you. David said, well, that's funny. He said, Saul, you might should look at who your friends are because he held, isn't this your spear? Isn't this your water pitcher? I could have killed you. But I'm not going to touch my hand against God's anointed. God anointed you. Even though you walked out of it, God anointed you. And I'm not going to touch anything God's already touched. If God blesses it, I'm not going to curse it. And if God curses it, I'm not going to bless it. And the Bible says that Saul said, Is that my son David's voice? That I hear that you are a more righteous man than even I. And this day I know the Lord has given the kingdom into your hands. We know the rest of the story. Saul goes, he summons the medium to pull up Samuel because he's afraid of the, the Philistines at the time period. Long story short, Saul gets killed in battle. David never touched him. Never, David, David never got his hands dirty. But the same story ended. David still got on the throne because God took care of the battle. See, sometimes I don't have to do anything. I just got to let God do it and just mind my own business and sit by and let God handle it. And then when God gets done handling it, he'll come take me to where I need to go next. He said, Lord, I want you to arise. I want you to save me. You have sent my enemies on the cheekbone and you've knocked out the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs unto the Lord. And your blessing is upon your people. What David said is, God, I can't save them. I can't even deliver my own self. But you can. You can save me because you've done it before. You can save this nation. You can save these people. I come by to tell somebody today, God can still save this nation. Righteousness exalted the nation. We can turn this thing around if people would get back right with God. The Bible says that a nation that exalted the Lord, He will bless we can fix this thing. This nation can be saved if they make the right. If my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sins. But the last line says, but I'll also heal their land. That's not just talking about agriculture and crops. It means God can restore that which has been lost. So we can save the nation. But can I tell you also today, God can still save his church. I'm not talking about just coming to a saving knowledge of who Jesus Christ is whether it's dwindling numbers whether it's finances whether it's people if you will coming complacent and disfellowshipping from the faith and not coming to church or doing different things for different reasons God can still salvage and save his church if he died for it he certainly knows how to save it he can salvage his church whether it's 500 or 50 he can salvage the church 
But not only can he save the nation, not only can he save the church, but he can save our families. Your son, your daughter, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, your husband, your wife, your cousins, your aunts, your uncles, your extended family. He's no respecter of persons. If they're willing to come to him, he'll save them too. Not only will he save the land or the nation, not only can he save the church, not only can he save the families and our lost loved ones and other people, but you know what? He can save you too. Not just if you're an unbeliever, not just to come saying the sinner's prayer, but maybe you're already saved. But maybe you're in a battle. He can save you from utter destruction from the enemy. He can save that job. He can save that checkbook. He can save that marriage. He can save that addiction. He can save that oppression. He can save that depression. He can save that whatever it is that's looming over your life. He can save you too. Because salvation belongs to the Lord. And He blesses His people. Notice He says, Thy blessing is upon your people. He doesn't say your blessing is upon people who don't know you. He said, God, you'll bless people who follow you. you there's, you got to live right for God to do some things in your life. There's certain benefits to living right. God don't bless sin. He just won't. God won't condone it. God won't bless it. God won't sign his seal or stamp his seal of approval on it. He's not going to do it. That's counterintuitive of his nature. But if you live for him, he'll fight for you. If you live for Him, He will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll be a friend that sticks closer to the brother. If I ever can convey something to you this afternoon before we pray and have this time of consecration, if you live for Him, He can not only save you, but He will fight for you. He died for you. He rose for you. He'll fight for you. And if you turn your life over to Him today, He'll come back for you too. And he'll make sure that when he comes and gets you this time, wherever he is, wherever I am, there you may be also. Thomas said, Lord, how do I get there? He said, because I am that way. And the truth and the life, any man that cometh to the Father must come right past me. That's where we are today. We got to get back to finding him. Him. Nothing else is going to fix anything going on today except him. I can't fix it. You can't fix it. But he can fix it. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I know we had prayer, but I'm going to offer this one more time before we do our benediction. Would anybody under the sound of my voice today say, Preacher, before we leave this place, I just want to be prayed for. Whether it's salvation, whether it is a need, whether it is a miracle. Whatever it is you're facing, you just need something from the Lord today. Maybe you didn't come and pray earlier when you were asked to or felt compelled to, but you say, Pastor, now I need just to be prayed for. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up wherever you are, any, any in the house. I say, Pastor, will you pray for me today before we leave? Will you pray for me? God bless you. Yes, thank you. God bless you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Here's what I want us to do. I want you to stand. We're all over the house where you are. If you're comfortable, I want to have you. To have, I want you to find a point of contact. Grab somebody's hand beside you. If you don't have somebody, 
shuffle somebody somewhere and find somebody's hand. Nobody without a point of contact. It can be your spouse. It can be someone else. If it's not your spouse, ask them, can you hold somebody else's hand instead of theirs before you hold their hand? Your choice. Here's what I want us to do. The Bible says we are part of the family of God. We all have needs. Whether we say them out loud or not, we all have something. And the hand that you hold may be going through something, or the hand that you hold might be needing something, or maybe they don't even know what they need yet, but something this week's going to come at them, and they ain't even ready for it yet. But God can prepare them for that moment. So can we just together, can you pray for the person beside you? I'm going to pray constantly for everyone, but will you pray for the hands? You may not even know their name. You can just call them my brother or my sister. But will you just pray for the people around you today as a point of contact? Heavenly Father, we are the family of God and the people of God. We come in this house today to worship you and to magnify and to glorify your name. And God, we have come today, God, to not only worship you, but God, to hear from heaven to have you speak to our heart and to our life. Father, there are many men and women that are holding hands with one another that may not even know what they have need of or the person beside them has need of, but God, you are the supplier of all our needs. According to his riches in Christ Jesus, our Lord, we know you're able. We thank you for that today. Father, I pray that we as a family of God would lift up one another's burdens and help one another make it one more day we on this journey of faith together Father I pray that every man, woman, boy or girl represented in this place will leave this place knowing that they have been in the presence of an almighty God and that God has truly met us in this place for that we give you the praise and the glory and the honor as you remain in a spirit of prayer let me pray over you today Lord may you bless us May you keep us. May you make your face shine upon us. Be gracious to us and lift up your countenance towards us. Give us the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding. Guard our hearts. and Let the words of our mouths and meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And before we're dismissed, I'm going to ask Pastor Pastor Calsey, If you will pray our benedictory prayer, and immediately following his prayer, please shake hands with one another and be dismissed. Also, if you are a senior adult, a senior adult, if I can meet with you just for about 30 seconds after church, and also anybody interested in working VBS this year at all, willing to volunteer, if you'll come to this side of the church, my left, your right, to see Sister Jennifer just for about five minutes. She wants to give you some information about VBS. Seniors, if you'll meet me over here for about 30 seconds. We'll meet next week again as well. Brother Causey, will you pray our benedictory prayer today?